السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وخاتم النبيين محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد النبي الأمي وعلى آله وسلم تسليما Respects and listeners As promised inshallah I'll begin commenting on different sets of verses in the Holy Quran which speak of Nifaq and Munafiqun, meaning hypocrisy and the hypocrites. The first set of verses dealing with this topic actually are in the very beginning of the Quran in Surah Al Baqarah, immediately after Surah Al Fatiha. At the beginning of Surah Al Baqarah, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala speaks of First of all, the believers. Alif Lam Mim Dalik Al Kitab Ula Raybafi Hudal Lil Muttaqin Aladini Yukminuna Bil Raib. Alif Lam Mim, this book, there is no doubt therein, a guidance for the people of Taqwa. And then Allah defines the people of Taqwa as those who believe. In the unseen. And then Allah mentions a few more attributes of the mu'minun, of the believers. But Allah only gives a very brief description of the mu'minun, of the believers, very quickly. Then Allah describes those who are opposed to the believers. But again, Allah only describes them very briefly. And there's a reason for this. Those who are true believers, they say what they mean, they mean what they say. There is a correspondence and an agreement and a match between their interior and their exterior. They don't lie in their belief. They don't deceive in their belief. They say what they mean, they mean what they say. They are honest and truthful in their claim. So with them, you get what you see. And what you see is what you get. There's no lying, there's no deception. They are believers by tongue and in heart. So their affair is very clear. There's no ambiguity. There's no murkiness. There's no confusion. They are transparent. And their affair is very clear. 
As a result, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions a few of their qualities and attributes and then leaves it at that. A very brief discussion, uh, description. Then Allah mentions their adversaries, those who at the time of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did not believe in the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and they opposed the believers. But they were also very honest and open. They didn't believe in heart and they also made it clear that they did not believe by their tongue. They were honest, they were transparent, they were clear. There was no ambiguity, no confusion, no lying, no deception. And so, similar to the believers, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions a few of their attributes and part of their description, and then very briefly leaves it at that. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins the third section of the beginning of Surah Al-Baqarah in which Allah speaks of the munafiqun, the hypocrites. Unlike the believers and their adversaries, at the time of the Prophet Allah doesn't just vote, devote two verses to them. Allah devotes the whole 12 verses. Not two, three verses, but a whole 12 verses. And the reason is that unlike the believers and their adversaries, at the time of the Prophet the munafiqun were liars, were deceivers. Their affair was murky, confusing. They weren't transparent, they were dishonest, they were deceptive. As a result, they created confusion. And so to, so to dispel this confusion and to highlight their dishonesty and their lack of transparency and to highlight the danger they posed to others and to themselves. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes the munafiqun in much more detail. And so Allah azza wa jal begins with the words وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَقُولُ آمَنَّا بِاللَّهِ وَبِالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ وَمَا هُمْ بِمُؤْمِنِينَ And there are of the people, those who say, We have believed in Allah and in the final day. وَمَا هُمْ بِمُؤْمِنِينَ But Allah says, but they are not believers. Now before I continue, I'd just like to mention a few more things as an introduction about Nifaq and the Munafiqun and why 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has warned us in the Qur'an why Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has warned us in the ahadith about hypocrisy and the traits of hypocrisy. And it's very easy to fall into complacency and think that hypocrisy doesn't concern me. Any discussion of nifaq is not relevant to me because I believe. But we need to remember that nifaq, hypocrisy, is of different kinds. Number one, the greatest hypocrisy, or the great hypocrisy, major hypocrisy, which is also known as hypocrisy in faith. This is when a person professes belief by tongue and claims to be a believer. And yet, at heart, that person truly disbelieves, is not a believer. So, the person accepts by tongue, but rejects by heart. The person claims to believe in Allah, in his Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in the final day, in the tenets and the articles of faith. And yet, at heart, the person denies them, rejects them. So this is the major hypocrisy, also known as hypocrisy, nifaqul iman, meaning hypocrisy of faith. But there are also other types of hypocrisy. And the second type of hypocrisy is nifaqul amal, which is hypocrisy of deed. This is when a person professes belief by tongue and even believes in heart. But that person's deeds, actions and behaviours do not match the claim of their tongue. So even though at heart they believe themselves that they are believers, they think of themselves that I'm a believer. But although there's no mismatch between their tongue and their heart, there is a mismatch and a lack of agreement between their tongue and heart and their behaviour, their actions and their deeds and their speech. And so there is a conflict. There may not be an apparent conflict between their heart and tongue. Because both the heart believes in Allah and the tongue believes in Allah. But there is definitely a conflict between what the heart believes and what the tongue says and what the body does, what the person does, how the person behaves. This is hypocrisy of deed. And although this is the lesser hypocrisy, there is a great danger that this lesser hypocrisy will lead to greater hypocrisy. Hypocrisy may begin in deeds and eventually slip into major hypocrisy, hypocrisy of belief. And there is a true danger for that because in Islam, one of the things we can understand from the Qur'an and from the Hadith is that 
Every good deed leads to another good deed. Every good deed creates momentum, which propels a person towards the next good deed. Every subsequent good deed is easier because of the previous one. And there are two paths. The path of good and virtue and the path of sin and iniquity. When a person sets off on one path, they continue to head in that direction. Albeit slowly, but they continue to head in that direction. Every little good deed pushes them further and further down that path. But similarly, when a person sets off on the path of sin, they continue along that path. And every sin makes the subsequent sin easier. Every sin has its own momentum, which propels and pushes a person faster, quicker and further down that path of sin and corruption. And Allah refers to that in Surah Al-Layl as well. Allah says, إِنَّ سَعْيَكُمْ Indeed, your effort is diverse. Meaning, when you get up in the morning, when you spend your day, when you rise, when you live your life, oh mankind, your deeds are different, your efforts, your endeavours are different. Everyone's doing something different. But then Allah only splits the whole of mankind into two groups. Regardless of what your daily effort, your daily activity, your daily behaviour is, Allah says, ultimately... There are only two groups of people. As for one who gives, i.e. in charity, and who is wary of Allah, guards themselves from Allah, fears Allah, and who attests to the beautiful truth, meaning Islam. We shall ease him unto ease. And the other person, As for one who, opposite to the first person, the first one gives in charity. This one, What does he do? He proves to be stingy, tight-fisted and miserly. The second quality of the believer, of the first good person was that he was conscious of Allah. As a result, he was wary of Allah. This one, his second attribute is he is not conscious of Allah, Rather, he considers himself aloof and independent of Allah. And the third quality of the first person, the believer, the good person was, وَصَدَّقَ بِالْحُسْنَى He attested to the beautiful truth, meaning Islam, the Qur'an. And this, this second person's third quality or attribute is, وَكَذَّبَ بِالْحُسْنَى And he rejects the beautiful truth. So for the first one, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, we... Ease him unto ease, meaning Allah Azza wa Jal. One of the meanings says Allah Azza wa Jal creates ease for him. Ease in what way? Allah creates ease by 
guiding him to further truth, by guiding him to further good, by guiding him through his virtuous deeds to even greater virtue. And as for the second person, we shall ease him unto difficulty, meaning each sin of his will lead to further sins. Each sin carries its own momentum and pushes him further into sin. So there are many other verses of the Qur'an that hint at this. There are a hadith which can show the same. So ultimately, one of the things we learn in Islam is that, and it's actually human nature, a person does good, the subsequent good becomes easier. A person sins, the inhibition, the reservation that a person first experienced disappears. Sometimes a person wants to commit a sin. It's their first time. There is fear, fear of shame, fear of guilt, fear of being caught out, fear of embarrassment, fear of the consequences. And there's a struggle in the nafs, in the soul, between the good and the evil. There's a struggle. Sometimes the good wins over and the person desists. Sometimes... The person slips into actually committing that sin. What happens? They commit the sin. They do that wrong. Then, some of that fear of the guilt, of the shame, of the embarrassment, of being caught, some of that fear of the consequence disappears. And the next sin, the next crime the next wrong becomes easier. And as the person continues along that path, they continue to lose even more of that fear, of that shame, of that guilt, until the person becomes a psychopath, a sociopath, committing crimes, doing wrong, without any conscience, without a tinge of ill-feeling, without a tinge of guilt, it's almost like second nature to them. And in fact, it becomes part of their nature. Just as the Prophet ﷺ said of truth instead of lying, Adhere to the truth, for truth guides to virtue, and virtue guides to Jannah. وَمَا يَزَالُ الرَّجُلُ يَصْدُقُ and a man continues to speak the truth and seek the truth until he is recorded as a voracious and extremely truthful person by Allah. And then opposite, Prophet ﷺ immediately says, And beware of lying, for indeed lying leads to openly sinning. Openly sinning. One of the meanings of fujur is not just to sin, but just as fajr, the crack of dawn, the break of light, where light comes and dispels darkness. That's the meaning of fajr. Fujur is related. And one of part of the related meaning is that fujur refers to that disobedience, to that corruption, to that sin, which is committed openly, without shame. Open sinning. 
So lying leads to openly sinning. And openly sinning leads to the fire. And then the Prophet ﷺ continues, وَمَا يَزَالُ الرَّجْلُ يَكْذِبْ وَيَتْحَرَّ الْكَذِبَ حَتَّى يُكْتَبَ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ كَذَّابًا and a, man and a man lies and continues to lie and continues to seek out to lie until he is recorded as an extreme serial liar by Allah. So this hadith shows the same. Each lie leads to the next lie. Lies lead to Jahannam. Actually, lies lead to openness sinning. Openness sinning leads to Jahannam. Truth leads to truth. And truthfulness and honesty leads to virtue and piety. Virtue and piety lead a person to Jannah. So given this understanding, the same is true for nifaq. One shouldn't think that those traits, those behaviors, those characteristics of hypocrisy that Allah and His Rasul have outlined in the Quran and in the Hadith, that if a person commits these crimes, these sins, and is guilty of these wrongs, that they will not lead to further sin, and they will ultimately not lead to greater hypocrisy. And this is why in one verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمِنْهُمْ مَنْ عَاهْدَ اللَّهِ لَإِنْ آتَانَا مِنْ فَضْلِهِ لَنَصَّدَّقَنَّ وَلَنَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الصَّالِحِينَ There were those, Allah says, and they are of those, there, there are of those, the, the, such people who pledge to Allah, that if Allah gives us wealth of his bounty, we will most assuredly give in charity. And we will most assuredly become of of the pious. So they made two promises. That if Allah gives us wealth, we will give in charity. And number two, we will become, we will become good. What happened? So when Allah did give them of his grace, of his bounty, of his wealth, what did they do? They proved to be stingy and miserly thereof. They didn't give, they were stingy. They refused to give. And they turned away whilst being negligent and heedless. So they broke their promise to Allah. Now, this verse suggests that these individuals were not hypocrites originally. They were not hypocrites originally. They actually believed. Because this is something which we will learn in the, during the course of uh, the discussion of these many verses of the Qur'an, that at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, there were different types of hypocrites. There were those hypocrites and Allah refers to all of them in the Qur'an, there were those hypocrites who, from the very outset, never ever believed by heart. So they were never believers at heart. They saw the Prophet ﷺ and the believers gaining strength, gaining influence, becoming more powerful, and they realized that it's far better for us to throw in our lot with these people. So they only joined the band of believers and the group of Muslims 
for worldly benefits and for their own security and safety, for their own protection and prosperity. But never for a moment did they believe, not, not even at the beginning. So that was one group of munafiqun, hypocrites. There was another group that actually did embrace Islam. So when they heard the words of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, either directly, or they learned about Islam through others, they embraced Islam, genuinely. They wanted to believe, they embraced. They became proper believers. Not just by tongue, but in heart too. But then, for some reason, doubt set in, the world got to them, they became disillusioned, disenchanted, or they weren't that strong of faith anyway, so it took very little to turn them, to sway them. And then, they continued to, they never, they actually renounced Islam in heart. So they decided that this isn't for me, I am not a believer, I do not believe. And they rejected Islam at heart, even though they were believers. But by tongue, they continued to profess Islam. They remained with the Muslims. They remained with the band of believers. Because just like the first group, they thought it's far better for us to do that. So that was a second group. There was also another group. This third group was such that they embraced Islam. They became believers at heart. But then doubt would set in. And when doubt set in, they would sway, they would swing to and from Islam. So at times they would be convinced at heart. And at times they would slip into doubt, serious doubt, which led to rejecting Allah and His Rasul. Then at times they would sway back in. So they would actually fluctuate between Islam and rejection of Islam. Not, not by tongue, because by tongue they remain consistent. That we are believers. But at heart they were inconsistent. They were fluctuating. At times here, at times there. So th these were all different types of hypocrites. And uh, this verse apparently suggests that these individuals who made this promise of charity and of being pious, if they were blessed with wealth, they were those individuals who had actually embraced Islam. So originally they weren't hypocrites. But they must have become one of the doubters. All weak in their faith, making false promises, false pledges. So when they broke their promise to Allah, when he blessed them with wealth and they refused to give in charity, they withheld their money. And they never became one of the pious. What did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do? فَأَعْقَبَهُمْ نِفَاقًا فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ إِلَىٰ يَوْمِ Allah, as a punishment, 
left nifaq, hypocrisy, in their hearts till the day they shall meet him. Why? Bima, in view of, as a result of, in punishment of, bima akhlafullah ma they're breaking their promise to Allah, wa bima kanu yakdibun, and because of their lying. This verse clearly shows that it is highly possible for a person to be a believer initially, but through the deeds of hypocrisy, such as breaking promises and such as lying, that that person eventually becomes not just a hypocrite indeed, but a hypocrite in faith. So the person continues to talk and live as a Muslim, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not accept that person as one of the believers because they have strayed into the field of al-nifaqul akbar, meaning the greater hypocrisy because of their deeds. There is always that danger. So we should never be complacent. And this is why it's so important to identify and recognize these traits of hypocrisy and characteristics mentioned in the Qur'an. Learn of them and beware of them. This is what the Sahaba used to do. The Sahaba have left an example for us. Imam Bukhari, rahmatullahi alayhi, in his Sahih, he establishes a chapter heading. Babu khawf al-mu'min min an yahbat amaluhu wa huwa la yash'ur. Chapter, and one of the things about Imam Bukhari, rahmatullahi alayhi, is that his chapter headings are vital to understanding his book. In fact, ulama have said, fiqh al-Bukhariya fi tarajimih, that the fiqh of Imam Bukhari, his rulings, his laws, his understanding, his interpretation of the texts, of the scripture, all of this is to be found in fi tarajimih, in his chapter headings. So Imam Bukhari, rahmatullahi alayhi, establishes a chapter heading in his book, in his sahih. Babu khawf al-mu'min min an yahbata amaluh wa huwa la yash'ur. Chapter of the fear of a believer that his deeds perish whilst he doesn't even realize. And this is how a believer should be. Always conscious of, always fearful of losing one's good deeds without realizing. This is what the Sahaba radiallahu did. In fact, Allah warns us of that in the beginning of Surah Al-Hujarat. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا لَا تَرْفَعُوا أَسْوَاتَكُمْ فَوْقَ صَوْتِ النَّبِيِّ وَلَا تَجْهَرُوا لَهُ بِالْقَوْلِ كَجَهْرِ بَعْدِكُمْ لِبَعْضٍ أَنْ تَحْبَطَ أَعْمَالُكُمْ وَأَنْتُمْ لَا تَشْعُرُونَ O believers, do not raise your voices above the voice of the prophets. And do not speak to him loudly as you speak loudly to each other. Why? Lest your deeds perish without you even realizing. In this verse, Allah only mentions two things. That, oh, and Allah doesn't say, oh, hypocrites, Allah. Allah says, oh, believers, oh, those who have believed, despite your iman, despite your good deeds, be very wary, be very conscious, be very careful. That you don't lose all of your faith and all of your deeds 
by doing just one of two things, which is failure to respect the Prophet <coughs> by raising your voices while speaking to him or even raising your voices in his presence over and above his voice, even while speaking to others. So a minor thing, but Allah warns us. Allah warns the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. It's a minor thing. That be very careful, be very wary that you do not lose your faith in your deeds without even realizing by just raising your voice over the voice of the Prophet And under this very chapter heading, Babu Khawfil Mu'min Min Chapter of the fear of a believer that his deeds shall perish without him even realizing, Imam Bukhari mentions these quotes from Ibn Abi Mulaika, a tabi'i, a successor, a student of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, and even from another tabi'i, another successor and student of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, Imam al-Hassan al-Basri. So what does Ibn Abi Mulaika say? Ibn Abi Mulaika says, I'm adrakt thalathin min ashab al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam kulluhum yakhaf al-nifaq ala nafsih I have met 30 companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam every single one of them feared hypocrisy for himself every one of them feared hypocrisy not one of them would say imani ka imani jibreel o mikail that my faith my iman is like the iman of jibreel o mikail and then Imam Bukhari quotes Imam Al-Hassan Al-Basri, who was another successor to the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. And Imam Al-Hassan Al-Basri, although Imam Bukhari only mentions one thing here, uh, Al-Hassan Al-Basri mentioned a lot more. So the thing mentioned in Bukhari is, Al-Hassan Al-Basri used to say that nifaq, hypocrisy, only a believer fears hypocrisy, and only a hypocrite feels safe from hypocrisy. And in another narration, Imam Al-Hassan al-Basri is reported to have said that whoever survives in the dunya, or whoever has passed on from the believers, there is not one of them who doesn't fear hypocrisy. And there is no hypocrite who remains in the world, or who has passed on, except that he always felt safe from hypocrisy. And in fact, Imam al-Hassan al-Basri, rahmatullahi, he's quoted to have said, whoever doesn't fear hypocrisy, he is a hypocrite. Whoever doesn't fear hypocrisy, he is a hypocrite. Just as the ulama say, anyone who says, I am not arrogant, he is indeed arrogant. Whoever clears himself of the sin of arrogance can only do that because he is arrogant enough to do that. So only one who declares himself pure from arrogance, one who declares himself or herself pure from arrogance is truly an arrogant because it's only arrogance that causes them to do that. A humble person always fears arrogance, even though they are extremely humble. 
That's part of humility. Part of arrogance is a denial of arrogance. And part of humility is the constant fear of arrogance. Similarly, part of hypocrisy is the denial of hypocrisy or complacency from hypocrisy or the lack of fear of hypocrisy or the feeling of safety from hypocrisy. And one of the characteristics of Iman is the fear of losing that Iman and the fear of nifaq and hypocrisy. Imam Muslim rahmatullahi alayhi relates a hadith from Handala radiyallahu an one of the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam who was also his scribe. He used to write for him. And Handala radiyallahu an once went home. He was sitting with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam in his gathering. He went home and he began playing with his children engaging with his family and then he suddenly realized something he said when i am with the messenger of allah and he speaks to us of jannah and jahannam of the akhirah it is as though these things are before our very eyes yet as soon as we leave his presence and we come home we become engaged and immersed in our children, in our families, in our belongings. And we forget so much. We are different people altogether. So Handallah radiallahu anhu said, Qad nafaqa Handallah, Handallah has become a munafiq. Or Handallah has committed hypocrisy. Now why did he say he didn't think that he had left Islam? But even he defined hypocrisy as being that mismatch, that incongruity, that lack of connection between one condition and the other, that conflict, that lack of consistency. So Alhamdulillah decided to go to see Rasulullah and share his concern with him. So when he came out of the house, lo and behold, he met Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. So Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu said to him, Oh, Handala, how are you? So Handala radiallahu anhu said, Nafaqa Handala. Handala has committed nifaq, has committed hypocrisy. So Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu said, Why do you say this? So he explained to him, he said, Oh, Abu Bakr, when we are with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and he speaks to us of the akhirah of Jannah of Jahannam, it is as though these things are before our very eyes. Yet when we come home and we become engaged with our families, with our children, with our belongings, we forget. So Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu said, indeed, it's very true. So they both went to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and explained, alhamdulillah radiallahu anhu explained his situation to him condition. Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, Oh If you and he wasn't just addressing him, he was it was a collective address. He said, if all of you, if you people, if you people were to remain in the same state that you are in when you are in my presence, if you were to continue in that state, if you were to persist in that state, 
then the angels would meet you even in your bed, on your beds and even in the streets. But, وَلَكِنْ سَاعَةً سَاعَةً يَا حَنْظَلَةً but oh, Hanzala, Satan, 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 Satan. He said it three times. But oh, Hanzala, this can only happen occasionally, occasionally. This can only happen occasionally, occasionally. This can only happen occasionally, occasionally. Indeed, because when someone is in the presence of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, it's a different effect, different environments, climates, atmosphere altogether. But. This is how fearful the Sahaba radiyallahu anhum were of hypocrisy. Umar radiyallahu an Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said to him, said of him that he is one of the ten promised Jannah. Umar radiyallahu an the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam told him clearly that Umar, you do not walk a street except that shaitan walks another street. Umar would speak words on earth and Allah would reveal verses of the Qur'an directly matching the words of Umar. There were occasions when the Prophet had an opinion. Abu Bakr had an opinion. They were so close to each other. They resembled one another. In character, in behavior, in acts, in deeds, in speech. So the Prophet ﷺ had an opinion. Abu Bakr had an opinion. And the opinion of Abu Bakr agreed with the opinion of Rasulullah. Umar had another opinion which was different even to the Messenger of Allah and Abu Bakr and both his seniors. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed verses of the Qur'an admonishing the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and approving the opinion of Umar radiallahu That was Umar. And yet, Umar radiallahu used to ask Hudhaifat ibn al-Yaman radiallahu who was a keeper of the secrets of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and to whom the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had divulged some of the names of the munafiqun. Not all, even Hudhaifah radiallahu did not know the names of all of the munafiqun. According to some narrations, he only knew 14 names. Only 14. He was the only one. And the Sahaba radiallahu anhu knew that. So Umar radiallahu anhu used to ask Hudayfa, oh Hudayfa, am I one of those that the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam named as one of the munafiqun, as one of the hypocrites? Hudayfa radiallahu anhu, when he once asked him, there's a story that Hudayfa radiallahu anhu seated in the masjid, Umar radiallahu anhu came and he said, Oh Hudayfa, such and such person has passed away, attend his janazah. And one of the reasons why Umar radiallahu anhu would request Hudayfa radiallahu anhu to attend the janazah is that he would watch. If someone passed away and Hudayfa radiallahu anhu attended the janazah, Umar was content that at least that person wasn't in the list of the hypocrites that the Prophet had shared with Hudayfah. So on one occasion he came 
Hudayfa was seated in the masjid. He said to him, oh Hudayfa, such and such a person has passed away. Attend his janazah. And then he left. He went to the door of the masjid. Then he came back. And he said, oh Hudayfa, tell me. Am I one of those that the Messenger mentioned? Hudayfah said, no. And then listen to the words of Hudayfah. He said, no. But I will not exonerate anyone after you. I will never ever say the same of anyone after you. So the only person I will openly say that his name wasn't mentioned is you. But I'm not going to say that for anyone else. Umar radiyallahu anh began weeping there in the masjid. The Sahaba radiyallahu anhum, even those who were promised Jannah by the Messenger of Allah, feared hypocrisy for themselves. So what lesson should we learn from this? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the tawfiq and the realization that we should fear hypocrisy and the traits of hypocrisy. So let's begin with these verses of Surah Al-Baqarah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَقُولُ وَآمَنَّا بِاللَّهِ وَبِالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ وَمَا هُمْ And they are of the people, those who say, we have believed in Allah and in the final day. وَمَا هُمْ بِمُؤْمِنِينَ Allah denies their belief. And Allah says they are not believers. Why? Because they profess belief by tongue. But at heart, they deny it. Irrespective of whether they never believed it, or at one time they did believe it. But right now, though they profess by tongue that they are believers in Allah and in the final day and in the hereafter, at heart they are not believers. This is, hypo- this is the greater hypocrisy. Allah then says, يُخَادِعُونَ اللَّهَ وَهُوَ خَادِعُهُمْ Sorry, Allah says that elsewhere. Here Allah Azza wa Jal says, يُخَادِعُونَ اللَّهَ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُ They attempt to deceive Allah. وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا And those who have believed. So let's pause here. يُخَادِعُونَ اللَّهُ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا They attempt to deceive Allah and the believers. And this is the first major trait of hypocrisy that we need to be aware of. Deception. خِدَاعَ خِدَاعَ means, in Arabic means, Deception, playing games, deceiving, trying to make fools of (coughs) others. Deception is not the behavior of a believer. A believer, one of the things you will notice about all of these traits of hypocrisy is that for every single trait of hypocrisy, the opposite will be very true for Iman and for the Mu'mineen, for Iman and the believers. So what's the opposite of deception? Innocence. A believer is innocent. 
A believer is innocent. A believer is trusting. A believer trusts others. A believer accepts. It's mentioned that Isa ibn Maryam alayhi salam, Isa, Prophet Isa alayhi salam, saw a man stealing. He saw a man stealing. So he confronted him to verify it. And he said, have you stolen? So the man swore by Allah and said, I swear by Allah, I haven't stolen. So the Prophet Isa alayhi salam said, I reject my eyes and I believe in Allah. The meaning of the hadith is that I'll keep it very simple. There are lengthy explanations in the commentary of hadith, but I'll keep it very simple. The lesson for us to learn is Isa ibn Maryam alayhi salam saw someone stealing. Now, it appeared to be stealing. But there's a possibility, there was a slim possibility, a remote chance, that it wasn't stealing. There must have been a very valid, innocent explanation for it. So Isa ibn Maryam alayhi salam, he confronted him to verify. He confronted him and said, have you stolen? So the man denied it. He said, no, I haven't. By Allah, I haven't. So Isa ibn Maryam alayhi salam discounted all the possibility and all the apparent certainty and the appearance of that person stealing. And Isa ibn Maryam alayhi salam accepted that person's word because he swore in the name of Allah. Because indeed there may have been a slim chance that there was a very valid explanation for his behavior. Because the person swore in the name of Allah. And Isa ibn Maryam alayhi salam said, I reject my eyes and I believe in Allah. Meaning, I accept your oath in the name of Allah. That's how a believer is. A believer is innocent, believing. And a believer suffers because of his innocence and honesty. Prophet ﷺ, the munafiqun, the hypocrites, would come to him, lie to him, give him false explanations. Prophet ﷺ would accept what they say. Before Tabuk, they came to him and said, Ya Rasulullah, we have this necessity, we have that excuse, we have this reason why we can't join you. So the Prophet said, Fine. Allah Azza wa Jal even said to him, Afallahu Ank, Lima Adintalahum. May Allah forgive you, O Messenger of Allah. Why did you grant them permission? Even the Prophet ﷺ was innocent, believing, trusting. That's the character of a believer. The opposite is true of a munafiq. A munafiq doesn't trust anyone. A munafiq is always playing games. A munafiq is deceiving, lying, 
manipulative, treacherous, treasonous. A munafiq is always shifting. He has a shifty attitude. He cannot be trusted. He doesn't trust, but he cannot be trusted himself. Because a munafiq is forever deceiving. Forever playing games. Their whole life is one of deception. Everything about them. They do it so much that they even try to deceive Allah. Allah says here, They attempt to deceive Allah and the believers. Here specifically, how were they deceiving Allah and or trying to deceive Allah and the believers? Obviously, to the believers. To Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, they said to him, We are believers, we believe in Allah, we are with you. And they would go away and laugh. They would laugh at the Muslims, they would laugh at the Prophet. They would laugh amongst themselves. They would crack jokes about how they were believed and how people trusted them and how they got away with it. So they were, they were deceiving the believers. But there's another thing here about khida'a, about deception, and specifically the deception of the munafiq, the deception of the hypocrite, which is that the hypocrite is delusional. The hypocrite suffers from delusions, delusions of grandeur, delusions of being special. How? The hypocrite is delusional. So delusional that they think they are special, they think they are extremely clever, they grin and smirk because they think they've got away with it, because they think they are winning. And they become so self-confident and so arrogant that just as they think they get away by deceiving others, they think they can get away by deceiving Allah. Not just in the dunya, but in the akhirah. That's why Allah says elsewhere in the Quran, يَوْمَ يَبْعَثُهُمُ اللَّهُ جَمِيعًا فَيَحْلِفُونَ لَهُ كَمَا يَحْلِفُونَ لَكُمْ وَيَحْسَبُونَ أَنَّهُمْ عَلَى شَيْءٍ أَلَى إِنَّهُمْ هُمُ الْكَاذِبُونَ اسْتَحْوَذْ عَلَيْهِمُ الشَّيْطَانُ فَأَنْسَاهُمْ ذِكْرَ اللَّهُ أُولَائِكَ حِزْبُ الشَّيْطَانِ أَلَى on the day when Allah shall raise all of them, the hypocrites. So what will the hypocrites do? They will swear to Allah just as they used to swear to you. So in the dunya, just as they would say to the believers, I swear by Allah, I am speaking the truth. I swear by Allah, this is the truth. I swear by Allah, I am not lying. And then if the innocent believer says, look, he's sworn by the name of Allah. He's sworn with the name of Allah. He's sworn by Allah. Okay, I accept. Look, the fact of life is, 
the innocent will always be deceived. The innocent will always be wrong. As they say, good guys come last. Good guys come last. In the dunya. But by Allah, they are at the front in the akhirah. Good guys come last. The innocent suffer. Why? Because others manipulate them, exploit them, take advantage of them, lie to them, deceive them, wrong them. And the innocent mu'min doesn't behave like the deceiving munafiq. So the innocent mu'min accepts. And there's no protection against lying. So if, if you've ever been a victim of injustice, a victim of lying, a victim of false propaganda, a victim of innuendo, of uh, aspersions being cast on your character, of rumour-mongering, of defamation, to whatever degree, then do not grieve. The messengers of Allah were victims of the same. The greatest of people were victims of the same. Because in the dunya there is no protection against lying. There isn't. They would lie to the Prophet ﷺ. And there was no protection against lying there. So when these munafiqun in the dunya will swear in the name of Allah and deceive the innocent believers. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what do they do in the dunya? When a per- like I said, they play games. A munafiq plays games. And whenever they win each round of this continuous lifelong game, they are exuberant, they are elated, they celebrate in themselves or with their friends. When a thief steals something, he can't keep it to himself. He has to show his spoils to his fellow thieves. So so look, this is what I got. And they even compete with each other. So, when a munafiq plays each round of this lifelong game of deception. Every round that they win, they feel exuberant, elated. They feel a sense of achievement and accomplishment. They are satisfied and smug. And they at least believe in themselves if they don't share it with others. That, I did it. I did it. I've fooled him. I've deceived him. I got away with it. And that makes him feel confident and happy. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, when a munafiq such as this deceives others, he becomes so delusional that he tries to deceive Allah. And on Yawm al-Qiyamah, he will do what he used to do in the dunya. So Allah says, Yawm yab'athuhum Allah jami'an, on the day when Allah shall raise all of them, lahu kama lakum, so they will then swear to Allah just as they swear to you. 
And even in the Akhirah, momentarily, they will think, I've sworn to Allah and I've got away with it. Even with Allah, they will think, I've got away with it. They think they are onto something. Allah says, Lo, beware, they indeed are the liars. So why are they like this? Why are they so deceiving, so deceptive, so delusional, so mad? Shaytan has overwhelmed them. Shaytan has overcome them. And this caused them to forget Allah, forget the remembrance of Allah. These, these people are the party of Shaytan. And indeed, it's the party of Shaytan that is the loser. Party of Shaytan is the one that has the losers. So, Yukhadi'oon Allah walladheena amanu, Allah says, these munafiqoon, they deceive or attempt to deceive Allah. And that's why in the verse, in the munafiqeen yukhadi'oon Allah wa huwa khadi'uhum, that indeed the hypocrites, Allah says of the hypocrites, Yukhadi'oon Allah wa huwa khadi'uhum, they attempt to deceive Allah wa huwa khadi'uhum, whereas it is Allah who is keeping them in error. So, يُخَادِعُونَ اللَّهُ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا They attempt to deceive Allah and the believers. وَمَا يَخْدَعُونَ إِلَّا أَنفُسَهُمْ وَمَا يَشْعُرُونَ And they do not deceive anyone but themselves. وَمَا يَخْدَعُونَ إِلَّا أَنفُسَهُمْ وَمَا يَشْعُرُونَ They do not deceive anyone but themselves and they don't even realize. They don't even realize. So they haven't got away with anything. They haven't made fools of anyone but themselves. They haven't defeated anyone except themselves. They haven't wronged anyone except themselves. They haven't harmed anyone except themselves. And that's the nature of hypocrisy. That's the nature of deception. They may get away with it for a short while. But ultimately, in the long term, they will never get away with it. Either in this dunya or in the akhirah. They do not deceive anyone but themselves and they don't even realize. In Allah continues, in their hearts there is a disease, there is a sickness. And that sickness is down. فَزَادَهُمُ اللَّهُ مَرَضًا So Allah increases them. Allah increased them in their sickness. وَلَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ بِمَا كَانُوا يَكْذِبُونَ And for them is a painful punishment because of their lying. So their hearts, they are sick people. A munafiq is sick. A munafiq is sick in the heart. And some of them are sick in the head. Truly. 
those who exhibit psychopathic, sociopathic behavior, where they actually relish hurting others. They don't just suffer a sickness of the soul, but they suffer a sickness of sanity. So Allah says, in their hearts there is a sickness. So Allah increased them in their sickness. Again, same thing. Each sin leads to further sins. Each sin creates momentum. And so their behaviors lead to further behaviors. This is a meaning of Fazadahumullahu Maradan. So Allah increased them in sickness. And for them is a painful punishment because of their lie. So, this is another trait of hypocrisy, which is a very famous lie. Part of deception. A munafiq lies. A believer speaks the truth. Many other verses will come, which all speak of lying. And, inshallah, I will reference them. And I'll say a bit each time about lying, but I don't want to say it's all in one go. But lying, I've spoken about it before many occasions. This is another chief trait of hypocrisy. In fact, uh, in a hadith later by Imam Bukhari and Imam Muslim from Abu Hurairah, radiyallahu anhu, Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Ayatul munafiq thalath. The sign of a munafiq. The signs of a munafiq are three. The first one is when he speaks, he lies. So the very first sign that the Prophet mentioned in this famous hadith about the traits of hypocrisy is when he speaks, he lies. When he promises, he breaks his promise. When he is entrusted, he betrays. He breaks that trust. So the first trait that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned is lying. Lying is part of hypocrisy. Lying leads to hypocrisy, even if a person isn't a hypocrite. Constant lying, just as in that other verse. So Allah gave them in punishment. Hypocrisy in their hearts. Till the day they shall meet him. Because of their breaking their promise to Allah. And because of their lying. So lying leads to hypocrisy. And lying is part of hypocrisy. Lying is part of that deception. Almost becomes second nature. So Allah says, because of, the, uh, for, uh, because of their lying, for them is a painful punishment. Allah then continues, وَإِذَا قِيلَ لَهُمْ لَا تُفْسِدُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ قَالُوا إِنَّمَا نَحْنُ مُسْلِحُونَ When it is said to them, do not make mischief on earth. Do not create corruption on earth. And corruption doesn't mean corruption on a wide scale. It means sin. 
Sin is corruption. Sin is mischief. A wrongdoing is corruption. A wrongdoing is mischief. Every sin pollutes. Every sin contaminates. Every sin harms. Sometimes it just harms the individual. Sometimes it harms the individual and others. Sometimes sins harm the whole of society. So when it is said to them, do not make mischief on earth. Do not create corruption on earth. Do not spread corruption on earth. The corruption here isn't necessarily a, isn't necessarily a reference to major, widespread, devastating corruption on a huge scale. No. Even individually, it just means when it is said to them, do not sin, do not disobey. They never accept. When it is said to them, do not make mischief. They say, no, no. In fact, we are the ones who are doing good. We are the reformers. We are the reformers. Nay, they themselves are the corruptors. They themselves are the mischief makers. They themselves are the sinners. But they don't realize. This is another trait of nifaq. Delusion and arrogance. And refusal to accept blame. Refusal to acknowledge wrongdoing. Refusal to apologize. A person won't apologize unless they accept that they did wrong. And no human being is perfect. Everyone makes mistakes. Everyone. So, part of humility, part of being a normal human being, a normal human being, is that a person accepts that no one is perfect, I am not perfect, I can make mistakes, and I made a mistake. It doesn't diminish me. It doesn't reduce me. It doesn't devalue me if I accept that I am a human. And that I made a mistake. And I accept, and I sincerely apologise. And the apology should be sincere. Not for the future, but for the past. Many people apologise for the future, not for the past. Meaning, they've done something wrong, but they refuse to accept that they've done something wrong. And when they are pushed and compelled to apologise, first of all, the apology isn't forthcoming willingly. And eventually it's extracted from them with great pain with great exertion. So theirs is a very contorted, convoluted apology. And even when they do apologise, I apologise if any offence was caused. If! I apologise if you were hurt. Even the wording. So, I never did anything. And whatever I did I never hurt you by that 
you were hurt yourself. So I apologize if you were hurt. So your feeling hurt is also your fault, not mine. I never hurt you, I never did anything. You were hurt, that's your problem, you're weak. And then the person says, well, if you don't apologize, uh, there will be no further connection between us. Okay, okay, then. all right, I'm sorry. See, that apology is not for the past, it's for the future. The apology is for the future, to secure further self-interest. To ward off and to prevent self-harm. Or the loss of any prospect. So even that apology is extremely insincere. It's merely a mechanism, a tool to gain an advantage for the future. So, this is another trait of nifaq, of hypocrisy. Refusal to accept blame, refusal to, refusal to acknowledge wrong, and to accept that I did something wrong. Even Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa being who he was, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa would apologize sincerely. On occasion, some men of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Ya Rasulullah, as one companion, it happened on more than one occasion, where they said to him, you have wronged me. So I want recompense. I want compensation. There are a number of stories which I'll go into on another occasion. So, but they all ended beautifully. It was just the Sahaba radiallahu anhum trying to uh, win a way to get close to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And in one hadith, Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam prayed to Allah. He, he said openly, he said, Oh Allah, I am but a human. So I get angry just as they get angry. So fa'iyyuma rajulin sababtuhu awla'antuhu. Whichever man I have verbally abused or I have cursed, oh Allah, make this a charity and forgiveness for him in the Akhirah. He acknowledged that he gets angry just as human, humans get angry. And that if ever he has said something that he shouldn't have, that, oh, that Allah makes his words a means of forgiveness and expiation and charity for them in the Akhirah. Even Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam being who he was, accepted, acknowledged. And that's how a believer should be. A believer is confident. Confident in what? A believer is confident in the knowledge, assured in the knowledge that I'm a human being. And there is good in me and there is bad in me. They are strengths in me, and they are weaknesses in me. I am not perfect. I am far from perfect. They don't go to anyone extreme. So the believer says, and believes of himself, that I may not be an angel, but I am not the devil. I am somewhere in between. 
So, a believer is balanced in their view of themselves and of others. And of themselves they believe that I am not perfect, I am a human being. I make mistakes, I have made mistakes, I will continue to make mistakes. And that it doesn't diminish me, it doesn't reduce me, it doesn't devalue me if I say sorry. And if I accept. Sorry is such a powerful word. It's disarming. It's verbal judo. It floors the other person. As long as the other person is a normal person. Truly. Imagine two people arguing. One person, the wronged person is ranting, raving, arms flailing, shouting, threatening, all sorts of things. That's the anger talking. That's the shaitan prodding. Now the other person can react in one of two ways. Either they can meet like for like, reciprocate. This person makes one threat, the other person makes another threat. The other person shouts and screams, this person shouts and screams. And things can escalate between them. Or the other person puts up one's hands. Even when animals fight, animals, if one animal submits and shows submission, it's rare that the other animal will kill it of the same species. Unless it's hunting for prey, it's different. But animals are the same species. If one submits, it's all about authority. So if the other animal, if the other animal submits, in most species, the aggressor, in fact, whoever was the aggressor in the fight for supremacy, when one animal submits and accepts the authority, of the other animal over itself. That's all the other animal is seeking. He often leaves it and walks away. Because it's accepted. So, if a person puts up one's hands, not uh, metaphorically speaking, if a person puts up one's hands, and genuinely and sincerely, and it shows, says sorry. Right, this person has said sorry now. All the threats the other person is making are meaningless. All the anger is meaningless. And if the person is normal, normal, sorry, disarms the other person. It totally disarms them. It floors them. They have no argument left. They have no hujjah left. They have no proof left. Imam Shafi'i rahmatullahi alayhi used to say, Man istughdib falam yaghdab fahuwa himar. Uman istu'fi falam ya'fu fahuwa shaytan. That whoever is provoked into anger but doesn't become angry, he's a donkey. Anger is part of human nature. 
So no one can say, I don't get angry. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam used to get angry. There's anger in every one of us. Who doesn't get angry? Everyone gets angry. It's different if a person doesn't exhibit that anger, and that's dangerous, because a person is raging within. It's suppressed anger. It's repressed anger. It's internalized. The anger is internalized. And it hurts and harms oneself. We all become angry. So Imam Shafi'i said, Whoever is provoked into anger and doesn't become angry, then he's a donkey. But then he also added, And whoever forgiveness is sought from them, but they don't forgive, then that person is a devil. So the lesson is, if someone angers you repeatedly, it doesn't mean every single time, but if you are provoked into anger, and then you become angry, that's human nature. Prophet described four people. Those who are the best. Who are they? Those who are very slow to anger. But they do become angry. But quick in their anger subsiding. So they're the last to become angry and the first to lose their anger. Then there are those who are the worst, who are quick to become angry and very late in allowing their anger to subside. And then the other two groups in between, those who are either, they are late to become angry and late in allowing their anger to subside or quick in becoming angry and quick in allowing their anger to fall away. But the best is one who is late to become angry and quick to forget and forgive. And the worst is someone who is quick to become angry and late to forgive and forget. So, if someone is provoked into anger and they become angry, and then the other person says sorry and seeks their forgiveness, so Imam Shafi'i says, yeah, this person's a human, he's not a donkey. So he became angry when he was provoked. But then, when the other person said sorry and sought their forgiveness, then the character of a believer is such that when someone says sorry to them and when someone seeks their forgiveness, they forgive and forget and let things go. You let things go. And that's if the other person is normal. So when the other person is normal, saying sorry diffuses so much. It diffuses a situation. It actually disarms the other person. They have no argument left. They have nothing against you. They've got nothing, they've got no weapon against you. You've disarmed them. Now if they do anything, they will be pure aggressors. They are totally in the wrong. Totally. And their behavior is unjustified, as long as the apology is sincere. But a munafiq, and this is what we were discussing, a munafiq doesn't apologize. A munafiq, why would the munafiq apologize, unless the apology is for the future? The munafiq apologizes only for the future. The munafiq never apologizes for the past, because there's no acknowledgement. I never did anything wrong. I'm sorry if you were hurt. I'm sorry if you were offended. That's like saying, 
I never said anything wrong. And there's nothing offensive in what I said. But yeah, if you are very insecure and weak, and you became offended, well, I'm sorry to hear about that, but not my fault. Your fault. You weak. You were offended. You shouldn't be so thin-skinned. You shouldn't be so sensitive. Look, people are sensitive or insensitive, simple. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was sensitive. Innocent, good, soft people are always sensitive. And anyone who says, well, you shouldn't be so sensitive, only an insensitive person says that. So, one of the traits of hypocrisy is refusal to acknowledge one's mistakes, refusal to accept responsibility for one's behaviour, and in fact, the person actually believes that what they are doing is good. So they still think they're right. And inshallah, I'll continue, because there's a lot more to say on this, and I'll elaborate on this in the next dars, which will be a continuation of these verses. I'll quickly recap with the translation of what we've covered so far. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَقُولُ آمَنَّا بِاللَّهِ وَبِالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ وَمَا هُمْ بِمُؤْمِنِينَ يُخَادِعُونَ اللَّهُ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَمَا يَخْدَعُونَ إِلَّا أَنفُسَهُمْ وَمَا يَشْعُرُونَ فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ مَرَضٌ فَزَادَهُمُ اللَّهُ مَرَضًا وَلَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ بِمَا كَانُوا يَكْذِبُونَ وَإِذَا قِيلَ لَهُمْ لَا تُفْسِدُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ قَالُوا إِنَّمَا نَحْنُ مُصْلِحُونَ أَلَا إِنَّهُمْ هُمُ الْمُفْسِدُونَ وَلَكِنْ لَا يَشْعُرُونَ And amongst the people there are those who say we have believed in Allah and in the final day but they are not believers. They attempt to deceive Allah and the believers, and yet they do not deceive anyone but themselves, and they don't even realize. In their hearts is a sickness, so Allah increased them in their sickness, and for them is a painful punishment because of their lie. And when it is said to them, do not create mischief on earth, they say, we are but reformers. Lo, they are the corruptors. But they do not realize. Now, as I said, these two final verses, we still haven't, uh, haven't completed explaining them, so they may not be as clear as the previous verses, but I will continue, inshallah, in the next dars. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us amongst the truly innocent, balanced, believing, trusting, pious believers. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from lying, from hypocrisy, from deception, from arrogance, from delusion, all of which are traits of nifaq, of hypocrisy, and the traits of the munafiqoon, the hypocrites, and not the traits of the mu'minun, the believers. Wa sallallahu wa sallam ala abdihi wa rasoolih, nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Subhanakallahum wa bihamdika shudu wa la ilaha illa ant, astaghfiruku wa atubu ilayk.